0: hello hello uh hello welcome to the third i I believe it's the third episode or podcast today we're going to be talking about my favorite musical and the one i've introduced to mars today which is falsettos i uh happened upon this musical a few years ago and just watched it randomly on my phone one night uh you know and uh i made a terrible decision because it emotionally drained me for the next few days, <laughs> um, but I became so obsessed with it—the set design, the characters, the messages, everything about it is just so amazing and and heartfelt, and and the music—it is—it's just—it's amazing, frankly.
1: Uh yes, um uh, I, you know, I was a little put off by a musical at first. I was like, you know, I'm not—I haven't really been much into musicals my whole life, uh, especially, which is odd because, you know, I was a theater kid. Um, uh, I just, I don't know. There's something I just, I enjoyed them, but I never really got into them like I, some mm-hmm. of my friends in the theater did. Um, I didn't know anything going into this. Um, and I will say I am uh, very sad. <laughs> um, uh, I will agree. It was very beautiful, um, gentle, and the art design, and I guess, or set design, was incredible. The lighting um, struck me in parts that made the experience o- a little bit overwhelming, but at the same time, uh, really brought everything together. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I this actually might have started a new hyperfixation for me, actually, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is surprising. Um, this yeah. Uh, I don't even know where to begin with this. Uh, thank you, first of all, for sharing something very emotional and heart-wrenching with me. Um, this it, There's a lot to unpack here, um, and I, I guess you can start us off with it, but um, I really did enjoy this, and I really do have to thank you for it, because I, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, of course, I mean, listen, I was just happy to share it with some I love sharing this musical with people because it is it's relatively unheard of I want to say that could be wrong but most people that I speak to unless they're very much into theater don't really have never heard of it or don't really know about it all that much beyond like hearing about it and it shattered like all expectations I had of it um, immediately upon watching it especially with Marvin specifically as a character. Marvin as a character, I expected when first watching it to be very one note and to be an antagonist of this story. Um,
1: and the same thing.
0: And he, but it's insane because even though they present him as such, from the beginning, I never see him as a full antagonist, which is very interesting <laughs> because I think that's he's kind of portrayed that way. But I am immediately more curious about him and why he does what he does. And the type of person that he is rather than immediately not liking him or hating him even because of the things that he says or does uh, to other characters in this show. Um, you know, in the way that he interacts with Wizard, Trina, especially Trina, and, and his son, uh, you know, and Jason. And like Marvin, Marvin specifically as a character, when they give him the emotional moments... It is always so like this, this gut wrenching feeling because it's always, at least for me when I'm watching it, it's very much two sides of a coin when I'm looking at him and listening to him because in his emotional moments, especially his one with Jason, he has at the end of act one, it's real. And I believe him. And, you know, he obviously is, he tries to change and he shows change in act two But it's like that one moment that he shares with Jason and where he he himself breaks himself down to his son. That hurts me to watch, because especially because Marvin throughout the whole show is very much struggling with what it means to be a man and being a man and masculinity Yeah, especially a
1: queer man. Yeah.
0: Yeah. To emasculate himself in front of his son which is like something like barely any parent does like dad or or like even a mom like they do not let their guard down typically in front of their kids because that is a thing that happens in parenting is you're supposed to be strong for your children and you're not supposed to show your feelings when you're feeling overwhelmed when you're feeling some type of way and to watch Marvin who is like presented again hyper-masculine, very much trying to be in control putting his boyfriend in this box of trying to make him like like uh, emasculate him like you have to cook the dinner and love me and this and to watch him strip himself down and emasculate himself in front of his own son and just like spill out to him is and you know an appeal to him is like like it's heartbreaking like i said it as we were watching but it, it breaks me every time i watch it because I, it, you know, it makes him not such the one-note antagonist that he's been somewhat presented as to us and shows, especially because he does change in act two. Because if he didn't, obviously, if he didn't change, it's still very one-note. But because of his change that right, we see right. in act two, though he still struggles uh, with overcoming that toxic masculinity he presents, like, it, it, oh my God. Like it, It's so hard to describe the way that it makes me feel just watching it watching the scenes that he has with jason um and and stepping into that light especially because you know he he when he was in therapy with mendel in the beginning he is trying to find like any way to reach jason in any way and you know the obvious answer is to you know talk to him but like you know try to reach out to him but he finds so much struggle in that because marvin is not in tune with the way he feels at all and refuses to like let his feelings be because he also struggles with that in therapy you know talking about the way that he loves Wizard and how like he needs it but he doesn't really concede that beyond the passion and the fighting that they do like he doesn't show uh, that or concede it he just like in his mind he's like it's something i need it's something i i want
1: <laughs> uh exactly um and something that i liked about this musical i mean this the the showing that we watched was done in 2016, um, but I have I, I believe that as a you know young queer person in the later years of 2021, um, I I found myself relating to this, and I'm sure you know older gay men and uh, queer people can uh, relate to what was occurring at the time. Because for context, you know, this is the years 1979, right? Um, yes, 1979 March... through
0: 1981.
1: Yeah, Marvin just left his family, um, uh, his stable family, and it very much represents a man of the patriarchy, um, and for a for another man. And it's there's especially the moment with the, him, like you know, asking down his masculinity, which is a heavy theme throughout this that I've noticed. Um, it the, the, that's a scene uh, that um, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to, or you know. Find um, some type of, um, I guess, what I'm trying to say is like some type of um, emotion towards it. Um, it, This is very, this this whole story itself um, with Marvin and Wizard is heartbreaking, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm sure at the time, you know, being a gay man and leaving your family for another man was, you know, not the, the thing to do back in 1979. <laughs> um, uh, and as we go into act two, we find out what the real story is ha- occurring surrounding this family and the dynamic and the interpersonal relationships that we experience throughout this is something. And I think that LGBTQ youth, can relate to while older generations can also relate to um, and probably have also experienced, mm-hmm. um, and that's one something I really enjoyed. Um, especially, I would love to see maybe an older version of this as well and see the comparisons of the set design and how they create the characters. I think I was reading a little bit about how they changed a little bit uh, the stereotypes around the lesbian couple um, and some other things in the twenty sixteen version, um, but. Yeah, I really also enjoyed that scene between um, Jason and his father um, because I'm sure a lot of people haven't been able to experience that in a way. And, you know, Jason was also just finding out that his father, who was a, you know, a manly man, is actually attracted to other men. And there was that whole time where he was like, my dad's a homo, um, which was a great <laughs> song. But he, they, they, all, they introduced it, that stereotype of how, you know, people fear that their, you know, kids are going to get passed down the gay gene. And Jason really struggled with that as a, I'm assuming, 12, almost 13-year-old boy since he's about to experience his bar mitzvah. Would you also have to put in the whole um, Judaism into this uh, performance as well? or I guess this story as well um, really ties into everything. But um, what was I trying to say? Uh, yeah, that moment that he gets to have with his father, um, and he, he realizing, you know, hey, I actually am attracted to girls, and I I understand you, Dad. Like, this is it. Um, it's something that is rare um, <laughs> in media. I mean, especially before our time. I mean, during this year, especially, um, was probably a lot rarer. Um, I mean, I'm not sure because I wasn't born around then, but... Um, this introduced themes that, and a historical moment, such as the AIDS epidemic, um, in a very gentle way, as I was telling you, in a very beautiful way. Um, and, yeah, on touching the masculinity part, we even, with Trina's song, I mean, she has her, her ex-husband, who's moved on to another man, and then she starts dating and and eventually marries the psychiatrist, which I don't think hippo was a thing at the time. But <laughs> like I was saying, um, that breaks some codes. <laughs> um, and I, I think I mentioned this too before. I, I feel like I've definitely seen this various storyline presented in a, another movie or a TV show. Where uh, maybe it was the show Grace and Frankie, actually. Which
0: I, I'll I, be, I think in the beginning. And I'm not saying this as as it is a fact. I'm presenting it as, like, based on... Because I I did hyperfixate on the musical a bit, but not so much on the story of it itself, but more, like, the people in it, how it works, and all that. And at the beginning, in the first song, uh, Marvin makes a statement that is, all the names are changed to protect the innocent, which implies to me that this is based off of a true story. But... I don't know, because I have not looked into that aspect of it.
1: Interesting. Um, Well, I, I, you know, yeah, that's, I'm sure at some point in time, something like this very similar happened. Um, I feel like I, like I was saying, it has definitely seen it, like this kind of story in other forms of media. Mm -hmm. But this was, uh, this itself, falsetto, was done in a way that I was not expecting, Um, especially when we get into act two and stuff. But, um, like I was saying with Trina Song, she has these men around her, and including her son, who is very young, and they're all, like, kind of acting immature, and, you know, she's, like, resenting them in a way. Um, Mm -hmm. She's trying, she's getting into the relationship with a psychiatrist, but her ex is also going off and having a relationship with a man, and everybody, she's confused by, it almost seems like she was confused by this this sense of masculinity, like... Um, and we later on, when we come to the song holding to the ground, she brings that back up again, um, in a sense, about her relationship with also um, a Weezer, as we've come to find out who is sick. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> Sorry, I just had <laughs> to take a moment to myself. I've, I almost no, started crying. Of
0: <laughs> no, of course. It's it's. I mean, it's also I think a lot of these characters, uh, not Trina so much, but they hold a lot of pride. I think that's like a yes. big thing. Like, Marv- obviously, like that comes with masculinity. And I really like that that's a theme in the show, um, because when I was figuring out my sexuality and had eventually landed on, you know, that I had like I liked men, it really fucked with me and how I perceived myself. Masculinity-wise, and I for a long time thought I was less of a man for that because of the way you know that you're raised um, to think what masculinity is and how it's presented as as you know as a guy and like what you're told is what being a man is and what's not being manly and what is not being a man, um, and like that that you know and that sticks with you as you grow up and when you get older and when you're doing certain things. Um, but it, it especially fucked with me with, with that when I was like figuring out my own journey. I thought I was so much less of a man because of it and that I wouldn't like I was not worth it. Like being like being a man, I could never fit into that, that manly stereotype. like that wasn't it. And you know, and that fucks with you, truly, really it does. Um, but my main point being a lot of it, and, and you hold on to this prideful notion, what being a man is and marvin is filled with that like this this pride and demanding things of people like in, being in demand and in and in power and having this control because he feels like he needs it um like i guess basically practically to live his life and how wizard also holds a sense of pride but not necessarily i guess in a masculinity sense but in the way that he deserves to be treated how he should be treated which is better like to be prideful in the way that he should be treated and maybe that's a misread on my part but that's how i i feel about it is when like especially when marvin is like don't feel responsible and wizard's like i'm not responsible this is not my responsibility and and it's like and 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 wizard hates feeling the way that marvin makes it because marvin like because marvin feels like less of a man because he's gay or, or right. however he identifies, he he emasculates Wizard in turn to make him feel better about his manliness. You know, like mm-hmm. you're supposed to be cooking dinner, I bring home the money, I am you know, that's that's how it is. And he had the same thing with Trina where he felt and and that in it's the same thing. Like he sets the sentiment right off the bat, I want a tight knit family. I want it all because I can have it all. I should have it all. Um when he can't and and like he needs to let and he slowly learns you know let loose of that grip of control over his ex-wife and his son and even wizard in the future because he can't have it all but he's so again it's that pride it's holding on to that pride that prideful notion i'm a man and my job is this and i have to present as this and to do so as this and and he taps into that and i like that he says this right before he has that talk with Jason where he emasculates himself. I think that's the proper term, by the way. I'm sorry if I'm using that term incorrectly, but he emasculates himself um, or, you know, like gets rid of that manly exterior when he has our to his son. But before he says that, he comes to terms with the fact that he necessarily has never been the man that like this patriarchy, patriarchal archetype that like the society has set up for men. When he says to Trina, it's like, you really, really killed me when you took those vows. He's always known that and he hoped that, I guess, life in some way would give him that direction. But he kept going and played the role that he felt he should be playing. And, like, he says to Trina, I never wanted to love you because, you know, he never wanted to be with a woman. And he turns to Wizard and it's like, I never wanted to love you because he felt like he shouldn't. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I was going to say, that's, uh, that song, I Never Wanted to Love You, almost started making me cry. <laughs> I almost had tears. Um, it wasn't until the second act that the tears started to come. Um, it is a very beautiful song. I wish I could remember more of the lyrics, um, um, but I, I guess, you know, I, I can't relate into the sense of masculinity for this part of the, you know, story and mm-hmm. everything. Um, I will say, though, it was very interesting for Mendel's character, who is the psychiatrist that ended up marrying Trina. um, He, I don't, maybe if I'm interpreting this wrong, but he does um, capulate, you know, masculinity, but I also found him to be very soft in comparison of Marvin, almost. Um, He was a lot softer character. I mean, we get to that Mm -hmm. scene where, you know, Marvin ends up hitting Trina, um, Mm -hmm. and he to me he seemed a little bit more feminine in a way i don't know if it was interesting to me um maybe i'm just was looking at it wrong or something but that was my interpretation of it um which mm-hmm. is interesting because you know we masculinity is a bit, very big uh theme throughout this um
0: i guess um, in
1: the first part
0: mm-hmm. no i wouldn't say you know he was presenting more feminine <laughs> i think mendel i think it's like this mendel seems much less masculine compared to the way marvin presents because they are two sides and they oppose each other in the first act like after that whole song um when the two lights the two spotlights fall on them it's them looking at each other they are opposing forces for different reasons and mendel is a man but does not at least does not present a lot of toxic masculinity in the same way marvin does yeah exactly And it's showed a lot in the song where he's proposing to trina where he says you know i'm not a giant man and Trina says to him, "Good, I don't want I gi- I don't want that. <laughs> like, that's not what I want." And he, you know, he's like, "I am not a giant man. Forget that giant man. You know, I'll love you until I die. Like, I can promise you that."
1: Yeah. No. Uh, he, I found his character to kind of be like almost in juxtaposition or d- the duality of man, almost compared to what was going on in Wizards and um, Marvin's life. Um, he, at first, was a character I really was not liking, um, uh, mostly because I was like, oh, here comes that trope of the psychiatrist swooping in, um, (laughs) but towards, like, Act 2 and stuff, and as we come to terms with what's occurring in Act 2 and everything, um, I actually ended up really liking him, um. You know, I mean, he, they are the, Trina and uh, Mendel are the heterosexual, um, you know, uh, I guess, appearances in this story. And to watch them, especially with the years that this occurred, to accept what was happening um, and to be there for Jason, who, um, as we get more into act two and discuss it, um, what was occurring, played a, a stable, like a very stable rock role and a lot of their lives and that was a almost a fresh breath air for me you know seeing that um when was this written in exactly was it written in 19 you said 1992 so was when it i know i from?
0: know so to my knowledge the first like production of it on broadway or at least like performed uh <laughs> was in 1992 and there is a there's a video of it somewhere um, not that I would ever do that, because that's illegal.
1: <laughs> um,
0: but, um, and it's it's very good. Uh, obviously, there are a lot of things changed. Not, I wouldn't say a lot, but there are some things changed, such as lines and certain staging things that were mm-hmm. chosen differently. That I guess can change the story depending on how you look at it. If you were to watch right. it, right? Um, and I can look up more about that. But I like the show also impresses me cuz of that because like the time frame it already takes place in already makes the story that much more interesting um but the fact that this musical like when it had first went on stage was um yeah it was originally published in 1992 so it goes out in 1992 and 1992 is still a year where like this type of dynamic of any kind um it's like 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 so new. It's very new As like in the early 90s. Like in in the sense of like being presented in this manner especially and yeah, the fact and that it was the media, Yeah. Yeah, and the fact that it was to my knowledge fairly fairly well, well received enough that it did get a US tour. So it was on Broadway in 1992 and then it went on tour in 1993 in the US. And then I was correct. It did not get It did not get touched until 2016's Broadway revival of it, right. um, where it ran, I believe, for a year. And it then went on tour in 2019 in the U.S. and then was on the West End in 2019 as well. And that's the last that it's been heard of.
1: And, you know, that's actually surprising that you had mentioned um, how well-received it was because the... Act two um, discusses, I mean, they don't really ever say it, but they, you know, pretty much allude to it, um, which is the AIDS epidemic um, that started in 1981 uh, that affected many lives of gay men. Um, and it's, you know, it's almost been, I think, 40 years now, um, 40 years since it first started, mm-hmm. um, which so, so that's almost shocks me because see, 1981 to 1992, that's almost 11 years, I think I can't do math in my head properly. But from what I understand, I, you know, I grew up in a very conservative family. Um, you know, I'm not, we didn't talk about this type of things. I had to learn about the AIDS pandemic, AIDS epidemic through high school. And, you know, I didn't even get the factual information of what was occurring. Like I did not, I was not aware that how many women, and especially queer lesbian women, took part in helping gay men through this time and we do find out yeah in act two that uh wizard um uh, i mean they allude to the fact that he is sick and the song that they seen (laughs) um unlikely lovers really destroyed me um Mm -hmm. as a person because you get that kind of like i guess it's almost a get queer trope where you like kind of have to Pick your own family, or like family's not defined by blood because you know, Marvin and Wizard get back together and he's sick, and they also introduce to like a lesbian couple who was absolutely fantastic. Like, oh my god, I fell in love with them! <laughs> and they're on, they're on like Wizard's hospital bed, and everybody's kind of sad and depressed because they don't know what was going on, like you know. It, The AIDS epidemic, like, when it first came out, it wasn't even called AIDS. I'm pretty sure it was, like, I can't remember the name that they had uh, Mm. defined it as. Oh, uh, GRID, which was Gay-Related Immune Deficiency um, during the time. And, you know, as times change, you know, the likely chance of surviving HIV um, is a lot higher now. But at the time, when it first came out, it was not. And I don't want to – I don't know if I should spoil the ending for anybody who's listening, but – (laughs) and unfortunate stuff does happen. And
0: I mean, if you're listening to this, uh, there's spoilers. (laughs) There's really, I I was gonna say, I was gonna say, this podcast is very (laughs) (laughs) spoiler.
1: I mean, yes, uh, unfortunately, Wizard ends up passing from this. And like you had mentioned, you know, um, that you may have not have grasped is the fact that Marvin most likely would end up passing from this as well.
0: Yes, Um, even though it's very obvious, and I just for some reason, I guess, never grabbed onto it because I was already very sad, and I guess my brain was like, let's not think about that. Like, don't think about the obvious fact (laughs) in front of your face.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it is, I mean, I kind of thought about it because of how common it was, and since they were in a relationship, um, you kind of just have to assume that eventually he would have probably got it and passed away as well um it is sad it is sad but they unlike other forms of media i have seen that highlights the aids epidemic um this was brought in a very gentle and almost elegant way and that i think that is why i cried so much um it it really touched on queer relationships and a beautiful manner and it also brought in you know the heterosexual relationships of the you know, Marvin's family, outside family. Um, and uh, also, like, I guess, I mean, I don't really know how to touch on this, but, the, like, the whole bar mitzvah scene, like, mm-hmm. Jason is this kid who's about to become a man, and, like you were talking to me about, um, he comes to find out that his father's, like, lover, um, who's also a man, that he finally accepted, um, is going to die, and they our mitzvah in the hospital before it happens and that was like a turning like that hit me really hard for some reason um i can't imagine because you know like we are you know a lot we're still young people we weren't around when the epidemic was yeah, at its height that
0: that was something I, I wanted to touch on is that this musical also like hits you emotionally in the sense of that it's able to convey somewhat but also very little of the emotions and the pain of the AIDS epidemic because I will never sit here and say I understand any of that in that time. I can't. I I can only, like, I literally can only imagine and will never be able to truly feel the weight of that epidemic, like, beyond the, the, you know, facts and, like, the, like, it truly is something you can only imagine, and it's only something that you, as someone who has lived through it, could explain to you the true pain and, and shit that people, that gay men, and just queer people in general, went through at that time. It right. is It is an event that... It is an event that is simultaneously, like... I... it is an event that is tragic and it will always like it is tragic and horrid and i am glad that pieces of media like this exist to convey even just a small amount of the heartbreak that people went through during this time because once again people our age and even then a lot of people in queer spaces we'll never be able to know just how bad it truly was. And we can feel for those affected, but we will never truly feel the weight of what it was like to live during that time or how it was to be treated during that time.
1: Exactly. And I think what, from what I was reading, the 2016 version did um, is they, like I was saying, they expressed this, thing that has happened in the, our history in such an elegant way and they brought it out with elegant voices uh mm-hmm. the song um that takes place something bad is happening that charlotte and cordelia mm-hmm. sing. the way that uh, i can't remember which one was the doctor was it cordelia or I believe, Charlotte?
0: i believe charlotte is the doctor and cordelia is the the caterer i believe
1: okay um uh the way that charlotte like expands her voice in this emotion and conveys this emotion about what is like starting to happen like they were so confused and it was it was great that they had to have a uh you know uh queer woman as a doctor too like this was just great to have
0: i i think i think about that a lot where it's like they not only that so in the original production the doctor is Mm -hmm. white which is still a very great achievement queer woman who's a doctor but having them cast, um, I have to look up her name because I refuse to not give her the credit that she's um, that she's owed. I just I um, falsettos Charlotte. Thank God Google exists. Tracy
1: Tomes. I don't know if I'm. Oh, pronouncing Tracy Tomes.
0: I believe is. I have to look. Up, blah, blah, blah. Kudos to you. You're an yeah, amazing. Yeah, Tracy
1: character.
0: Tracy Tomes. She. So I knew her prior because she was in the 2008 production of Rent. Mm-hmm. Um, where she also played another queer woman and she was phenomenal in that so I, like I already knew and expected her to be phenomenal but something about the fact that they cast a black woman in this role yes. elevates yes. it so much more in the space because already being a queer woman as a doctor in the 1980s is like right. early 1980s is insane is an insanely powerful achievement the fact that it is a black queer woman as a doctor in this status in the 19, early 1980s. Oh, my God. It like it makes her role in the show and, and what she's conveying that much more powerful like and elevates the character so much. Not to say in the original, it's not great. It is. It just elevates right. it so much more, uh, at least in my opinion. Um, especially um. also because not only are they a lesbian couple but they are now an interracial lesbian couple which also adds a lot to me to their characters as well and the way they they present themselves because it's already like already tough to be um in a queer relationship at this time and but a queer interracial relationship like at that point it like, it, like for that time that oh my gosh
1: Ugh. uh yeah no i have a uh, mad respect um for them uh it's her voice i was almost trembling in a way because uh they don't like actually say like oh like you know the aids this is the aids epidemic but they you know like i said allude yeah. to it but even in the beginning of something bad is happening there's sh- both of them are like still confused of what is happening like they don't really know because people didn't know is from what i'm understanding is that mm-hmm. they just when it first happened everybody was in fear. Everybody was confused. Everybody was pointing yeah. f- fingers. And then we find out that, Oh, this is actually happening. This is not going away. Mm-hmm. This is a thing. Um, and they did a fan fantastic job pulling in, um, women during this time and how, uh, a lot of lesbian women were the, you know, the people who stood by gay men in their beds, um, uh, I mean, one of the most famous ones that I think I mentioned a little bit, I did find her name was Ruth Coker, I think her, I might be butchering this, and I am so sorry, but Ruth Coker Burks, um, she Mm -hmm. ended up caring for, like, hundreds of dying people, many of them gay men, who were abandoned by their families. Um, I believe she, like, buried more than three dozen of them herself, and... After the families had like refused to like claim their bodies, mm-hmm. and for many of them, she is the only person who knows their location of their graves. They and I am pretty sure that this was their intention. I think I was reading about this um, that the writers wanted to convey this message that uh, women played an important role during this time, and that tends to get erased from this this part okay. of history. And
0: I um, I really like though also how. Um, especially towards the end it was driven very much home but I also like that they did it with Charlotte especially because you know she holds a very high position you know she's a doctor a leading doctor yes um, and to have that position and your entire job is to heal people and you know as like being a woman during this time and, and trying to be there and not trying but being there for these for these men. I can't even begin to imagine the helplessness that like they felt like being in that situation right. and, and all they could do was try to be there for them and make them comfortable. And Charlotte and Steph, uh, I was about to say, like the actress's name, Trina and um, Cordelia all drive home like that feeling of I feel more helpless than I have in like such a long time. And they're trying they're just trying their best to be there and then and to just try to like be there for this man and make sure that he feels good and, and okay. and trying to still keep him a part of these normal events. like it always breaks my heart when um, Jason is singing and he reaches out to Jason and says, thank you, you know, thank you for like for letting me be here and and, may, and having me be a part of this because you know, in those moments you get, I mean, I can imagine again, in any medical moment, you feel like you get something taken from you. So it's like being given that moment to be a part of like norm, like just everyday things like an event, family event and be here with people that you care about. Yeah. Just really like, like sets home that feeling of like, just trying to do your best to make these people feel comfortable. And it's, set even more like and they and they drive it home even more the the helplessness and also just the loss um but also the like in in what did i do the song that comes directly after wizard's death it is amazing to me how that song conveys like it's loss the whole song is about loss but not it's about like also coming to terms with that you know there's no answer but mm-hmm. you gave me like there's no answer, there's no simple answer. But you gave me a life that I wouldn't have wanted without you, and you know that I would you know that I would have hated without you. What would I have feasted my eyes on? Who would I blame if I'd you know had I not yeah, loved it, you? It's it, uh...
1: it very much felt like um, almost like a love letter goodbye. Um, between the two of them, and you're right. Yeah, he he talks about how like what would I do? Who would the person I become? And the first thought in my head took me back to that scene with him and Trina, um, where he ends up hitting her. Like, who would have the man became? Like, who would have Marvin became um, if he hadn't met? Uh, uh, Weezer and stuff. Why do I keep on? I keep on saying Weezer. It's not the band. Oh my god! I'm keep on thinking about this. Uh, <laughs> Whizzer. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It is his name is interesting. Um, yeah. I was bawling my eyes out. Um, that it felt <laughs> felt very intimate and very personal. Um, it took me a second to realize that he actually did pass. Um, and stuff. And after the bar mitzvah. And I felt like I was almost intruding at this moment. And it's funny because this is a stage. This is acting. Um, there's a whole audience that we didn't get to see that was right in front of them. But I still felt like I should have turned away a little bit because this felt like mm-hmm. personal between almost the actors in a way. Which is, I, I don't know. I get, I get that feeling rarely when I watch like either movies um, or like performances. Um, but I felt that with this. Um, He was thanking him, and he was grieving. He was expressing gratitude for the short life that he had with him because 1979 to 81 is three years, right? Once again, bad at
0: even But even then, then, he didn't get to spend that much time with him because they had been dating 10 months um, or nine, depending on who you ask. Um, True. in (laughs) In the beginning, and then they broke up, and then two years went by where they were not together and then they got together uh, at yeah, I in, about in, that. yeah in 1981 so they were maybe together for a few more months maybe a year, like maybe like a few more months um depending on the timeline maybe three months six months truly truly that's unknown maybe like there's a number somewhere i just don't know it off like on me but they don't like that's also what's like very tragic about it is the fact that they Found, you know, found their way back to each other. But they... And, you know, the time that they got together was very special. But, unfortunately, it was not a lot. Yeah. Um...
1: Sorry, I just, like, lost my thought thinking about this. <laughs> um...
0: No, it's fair. I mean, it is a lot. Like, there's so much in it. And, like, and that's why I like rewatching it so often is there's more that you pick up on and the sentiment behind things or maybe the way an actor chooses to do something that brings something else to like the line it's is all about like the choices that they make and the way they choose to present themselves at that moment and I think like wizard wizard especially with the with the way Andrew Reynolds portrays him so he's such a tragic character like I think the games I play the song yeah and it it took me a few rewatches to understand like the full thing of it but when he's speaking about it he speaks about it like this is multiple things like this is something that happens to him often and this is not just something that has occurred with Marvin and as I was reading um, just now the like overall synopsis to see if there's anything we should touch on it is stated that in the games I play he's speaking on how he's been used and abused by men his whole life for his looks and the way that he looks and that this is these are this is the game that he plays, and he doesn't want to play that game anymore.
1: Uh yeah. Uh, I mean, touching back onto the masculine masculinity thing, that's the reason why they had broke up, right? Um, uh, you know, Marvin wanted mm-hmm. to fit him into this certain this box. house,
0: this housewife position. Yeah, this
1: housewife, his housewife position, and uh, he did not want that, and that's why they ended it. Um, and. You know, that's interesting. I didn't really find the points. Maybe it happened into between the years of the non-existent time frame that we don't get to mm-hmm. see. Um, but what made, or maybe it was the father-to-son song that made Marvin realize where he was in the wrong. Um, am I missing something? Was there a song or was there a time where Marvin um, found, you know, was found himself in the wrong and the whole situation with uh uh with uh, i almost said weezer again with wizard
0: (laughs) well i think i think it's overall just like when you go through something like that i think it's it was more of like a reflection of everything and not just his family dynamics and you know because you know he also had two years like he had not seen him or assuming you know heard from him at all in two years and so in in my mind, I had always just assumed he had taken all that time to reflect on the person that he was and the person that he wanted to be for his family and well, for his son mainly and himself. Um, and, you know, we see him change and we see that he presents himself differently with Wizard when they rekindle their relationship in the song. Um, I forget the name of it. It's the one where they're in bed together and he's in Wizard's Asleep but he he's singing to wizard about how much he loves him and how much he cares for him and how deeply he cares for him and
1: uh what more can i say i think it uh, yes it was
0: what more can i say um thank you and it, it was like he like presents himself in that and and how you also see the shift in their little competitiveness and how it goes from bitter and like this vitriol too playful like in the tennis scenes where the competitiveness is more what you would see from a healthy relationship and something that is like the healthy competitiveness and like playfulness rather than this bitter hate-filled th- like this needs to stop this is better come to a stop type of um, like the theme that keeps getting driven in
1: yeah and you also and you also kind of see this uh, or at least i was getting from it is the song the chess game Uh, where they're sitting down together and they're playing chess and there's this competitive energy. The lyrics of the song is like, you know, kind of hinting at the fact that I think it's almost a little bit foreshadowing to act two a little bit, um, but Mm -hmm. also just the dynamic of the family as a whole is that life is almost like a chess game and you have to play the pieces and there's multiple different routes you can go, um, but there's only certain um, paths that's going to make you end up where you are at. Um, I don't know that song was oddly enjoyable for me maybe it's because I also kind of enjoy watching chess um, I'm not a chess player but I do watch- enjoy watching it and I do agree chess is a lot like it's, life in a you way know, that's
0: funny because I every time I listen to that song I get completely opposite um,
1: Interesting. vibes
0: because of the lyrics where they're like you know life's a sham and every move is wrong where they're more presenting it not like life is like a chess game and you have to make Mm -hmm. right moves they're like life is a game but none of the moves matter like the moves don't matter you can do whatever and they could still be wrong and they they especially because like when the two people or like the two players are very differently presented like because marvin and wizard both say very different things at the end of that where wizard says nothing is everything to me and marvin says winning is everything to me
1: right interesting yeah i can, I guess i can see that perspective a lot more um i lost my thought to that too <laughs> jesus i was thinking about trying a song again because it's right before that um but uh, I wanted to touch on Jason a little bit more, though, mm-hmm. uh, with his character, because another major theme of this uh, story is, you know, that most of these men are Jewish, um, mm-hmm. and Jason's a young boy who's about to have his bar mitzvah, and I, you know, can't remember the exact year. I think it's 13 when that occurs, but I can't oh, Yeah, it he was wrong.
0: He was about 12 and a half when it was happening. Yeah. So.
1: Um, and he has all these frustrations and you know and at that age you know i mean i myself am not a man so i don't know what puberty is like for <laughs> men but you know i'm assuming that he's going through all these emotions and especially with like the divorce and the separation and finding out that his dad is gay um uh, he does not there's they divert from the seriousness of what is occurring with um, Mm. Marvin and wizard and goes to like the baseball game, which I oddly Mm -hmm. very much enjoy. That is a very much turning point, not only for, you know, Jason himself because he's playing baseball for, I would assume the first time, but Mm -hmm. like he also invites in um, wizard and uh, Charlotte and Cordelia and pretty much the whole family and it's a big representation of this dynamic of this family that they're creating together um and you know it was actually really funny they they played on the whole stereotype of (laughs) jewish uh people um but they also mentioned like two of the greatest like baseball players who were jewish i really enjoy it that found it humorous um i think jason was very much used but those, like, almost humorous points until mm-hmm. we get closer to his Bar Mitzvah. And it's, you know, uh, Mindel and Trina who want him to have this Bar Mitzvah and are arguing about it and are like, ah, oh, but this is, you know, Wizards also dying at the same time. Like, how can we go about this? I mean, it's, um,
0: it's a whole thing. I mean, especially because Jason's a young kid and, like, with so much going on um, to, because, you know, uh, for Bar Mitzvah, Actually, let me let me speak on this of the lens of assuming because I let me not even assume to my knowledge, because I'm not Jewish uh, and I do not know much about Jewish culture beyond what I have been told by few Jewish people in my life. But other than that, you know, I haven't lived it, so I don't know it. But it's I know that the bar mitzvah and at least how it's portrayed here, you know, it signifies his becoming a man. And it's this this very big event. And, you know, have all your close friends and family here. And Jason, throughout the show, has so much shit happening to him that he kind of doesn't, but he doesn't rest on faith. Like, he doesn't turn to God and say, God, why is this happening to me? I feel like he takes it as more like, like, I don't know. He doesn't, like, obviously, he's also a young kid. But it is very heartbreaking and very interesting to see that um, what looks like Jay- jason's like first big um connection to god and asking god for something beyond like the first part where he does it for a little bit of humor when talking about the girls in his class um Eight. he asks god to save his friend who is dying like and that's like the first time or like one of the first times majorly we see him turn to god and turn to his like a faith in a moment of crisis <laughs> and like he's like 12 and that's heartbreaking to see after, especially after all he's already been had to go through um because something else i don't see a lot of people talk about or at least like from what i've seen people don't talk about the fact that you know he saw his dad hit his mom that hurts you as a kid that's a terrifying Very thing much. to watch that's a terrifying thing to watch as like a 10 year old because i think he's like 10 before that because that's before the time jump and it's like your dad who you are already in this like lost relationship with hits your mother and it's like (laughs) to to adjust to that beyond what's already been happening is insane and also like drives home how strong that like the character of jason is and like how him and trina have that parallel of like having to push through a lot of shit um because of the choices that marvin you know not the choice but like what marvin has done
1: um, I agree. And I think before and maybe even after um, after the father to son song, I think Jason held a lot of resentment towards his father in very many ways. Um, and I kind of found it humorous um, during I think it was the Jason's therapy, which, by the way, they really, really like, man, kid, you got to get into therapy,
0: um, which
1: was and he does bring this up. And I'm pretty sure in this, this song, but he was like, why do I have to be in therapy when it was your guys' fault for being shitty parents? And that's so true. Like, why, you know, they're pushing him onto therapy because they, you know, either like, I, it t- I guess it took him a while to be like, okay, I actually have to talk to my uh, son about this. And they do um, sit him down and, you know, I mean, this is before everything happens, but they do actually, I noticed that they have a conversation with him as, like, you know, a h- normal human being and not, like, a childish little kid And mm-hmm. the song um, Canceling the Bar Mitzvah when they tell him, you know, like, there's a chance Wizards not going to recover and everything. Um, and it's up to you like that was like I was like oh, this is where mm. they're actually being parents I mean it was Mindel who was in it and not um, Marvin seeing that with him but at least they were sitting like Trina was sitting him down um they really pushed the whole therapy thing uh, without really like discussing this with him and like kind of getting his own opinion um he kept on being like I don't want therapy you guys need to get therapy <laughs> um, and that was all really relatable.
0: Uh, <laughs> I don't need therapy you need therapy, therapy. could a fucked up kid do this place chess by himself <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah the whole symbolism you know of the, of the chess piece too was you know a lot um, he you know we start off with you know Jason talking about how he loves chess and it's the most beautiful thing and then you know the chess song comes up between Marvin and Wizard and then, at the very end, um, uh, as the reprise happens with Mendel,
0: mm-hmm. at the very
1: end, we see the chest piece being placed by Jason himself. Um, and that's heartbreaking to watch. You know, he just w- went through the bar mitzvah um, at the hospital, and then watched his father's lover die. I mean, mm-hmm. probably not watched, but, like, experienced it at such a young age, with all of this other bullshit that's surrounding him, um, uh, I wish I could have saw what chess piece it was that he placed, but I was trying I was trying to look at it and I couldn't and I was like, mm, maybe there's a deeper meaning into like the certain chess piece that he placed but I, I couldn't see what piece I it was. I was
0: actually thinking that as well. I could try looking that up, but I'm not sure what piece it was. Um, to be fair. And I think you're like it's like Jason's character has a lot of like tragic shit happen to him. And it's it's also terrible. And you're right, like Mendel is the one who sits him down. And tells him as an adult, he's like, we don't know if he'll get better. Like, there's a chance Wizard will not get better. And the choice is up to you whether or not we do this. And, you know, Mendel, like you said, Mendel is very much like a rock for Jason. From From the beginning, when he, he's first giving Jason therapy, he's like, you know, why don't you feel all right? If you do this, you can feel a lot better about the things that are yeah. happening to you. And he... You know, and Jason in turn is like, Hey, listen, man, I know you have a thing for my mom. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I <laughs> He knew, he knew. <laughs>
0: and but and he and Jason like what's very interesting to me also about that is when Jason has like this issue, I guess, or at least this preconceived notion of his dad being gay, but also wants to meet or at least speak to his dad's boyfriend and wants his opinion on the matter. He's like, what do you think I should do, wizard? Should I go to therapy? What do you think? And I think that's very interesting how Jason is like such a close. He's closed off, but he's also very open to having these people in his life help him and give him advice. Uh, Not his parents, though. He hates taking advice from his parents. He's like, You should go to therapy. You should go to therapy. Wizard's like, You should go to therapy. And Jason's like, you know what? That makes sense. It's <laughs> like,
1: not a bad idea, Wizard. Thank you. I appreciate that's, that. that.
0: That's, that's that's and then when Mendel comes in and like sits him down and is like, you know, take the time and you and you gotta do this. And when he's and when he's like calming Jason down about like when his parents are like <laughs> like manipulating him with the bar mitzvah. And Mendel oh, takes yeah. him aside and is like, Jesus fucking Christ. And like helps him feel a lot calm about it and is like, don't worry, you know, when you get older, you'll understand that they mean a lot about you. They just do not know how to express it correctly at this moment. <laughs> and and <laughs> and that helps Jason like at least be able to be content with how the situation is unfolding. Um up until that point. And I also like that we see Mendel. Mendel has his moments where he cracks a little bit. But when he's like when he can't get through to Jason because, you know, this because the whole situation is just Tarrant breaking them all down slow, slowly and slowly. And he's like, why don't we just tell him the truth? That we don't I don't have the answers for him. Sometimes bad things happen. And this is the start to him under- understanding that and his his start to becoming a man. I think that's such a good line because like I like the fact that it shows that even though he's been a rock for Jason this whole time, this situation is getting to him too. And he doesn't know what to say, and he doesn't have the answers. He just—he's just trying, and that's all he can do. And I and really like I, that.
1: And I think Jason struggled so much with the bar mitzvah in general because you know it signifies that you're going to be a man, and a lot of times when you know you're growing up, and adults tell you like, "Oh, it's time to be a man," or "It's time to grow up and be a woman," um, that means everything becomes real. And unfortunately for Jason, he was also experiencing losing someone in his life. And I think that's why he was so hesitant about having it. I could be wrong, but that's how I interpreted it. Um, Because he didn't, in a way, like, when you become a man or you grow up, everything's real. Like, you're like, oh shit, man, like... I'm not a kid anymore. Like I am defined by society mm-hmm. um, as a per- like a, an actual human being. Like I'm, a, mm-hmm. I'm a, an adult. Like I'm growing up. And yes. and I think that that's why he struggled so much. And 100%. or in general, 100%. he was just like struggling with everything else that was happening in his life. But I did. I felt it. I wasn't expecting it. I honestly thought Jason was just gonna cancel the bar mitzvah. But when they pulled up to that hospital, I was like bro, this is it for me. I am (laughs) crying. Absolutely most touching thing to happen.
0: Yeah, I also did look it up. He places a king chess piece on uh, Ah. on Wizard's Grave, which uh, it didn't give me anything beyond that, so I guess it's just more of an up-to-your-interpretation kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Which I thought I figured it would be a king. I don't know why. In my mind, I was like, it's probably a king. Yeah,
1: I kind of assumed it was a king, too.
0: It's I also, like, chess, I mean, chess is also, like, a major theme of this show, um, and it's used very differently, like, throughout. I, I like, I really like that, um, that you had mentioned earlier, and I, and I meant to add, was when Jason sings, like, the first iteration of this theme. He says, you know, I think chess, I think games are the most beautiful thing. I think chess is the most beautiful thing. And I think almost right after that, or, like, a little bit after that, um is the chess game between marvin and wizard which is so toxic and like and like vitriol so like and so i think it's very interesting to like right after jason's like i think chess is the most beautiful game to watch it be played so toxically and like so bad and competitive and like in this competitive manner like right afterward and then how you know jason again brings up chess uh well, he brings it up during the therapy and how Jason also brings chess when wizard is on his deathbed and chooses to uh, and lets wizard play it. And I also think wizard always plays white side every single time, mm-hmm. uh, like every time chess is brought up and he plays it. And, you know, Jason leaves a the white king chess piece on on wizard's grave.
1: Um, and that's, you know, OK, I may have just made a connection. <laughs> <laughs> um, usually I'm pretty sure in chess, the white usually signifies they go first um which i don't know if this was you know meant to happen or if this is just now my brain connecting things but in between the relationship of marvin and wizard he was the first to go and during this situation and like how we can tie it that eventually marvin will most likely Mm -hmm. pass on afterwards um now I don't know if that's meant to be or anything, but that's what I, I mean. My brain
0: it's is a, just it's like. a decent <laughs> enough. I mean, it makes sense as like a connection. I didn't even think of that. Like that, <laughs> that's something that makes sense. I also something else that earlier when we talk about the chess game, where you, where you thought it was very much like you know, life is a lot of moves, and you got to make the right moves to get to the end. I and, and you know, and how I said I got a very different vibe from that. I think it's even more set home in Wizards. Uh, you got to die Sometime Song. Because he makes a very big point. Mm, yes. He makes a very big point to be like, I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. And yet it's me. And he asked the doctors, like, why me of all men? It's like, what did I do? I made all the right choices. I didn't do anything wrong. And yet he still was like, just he still got that. And I think like, it, it kind of goes back to like, you know, that, you know, life's a sham and every move is wrong. We've abandoned every move as we move along i believe is like the full line i could i could have messed up that end part but you know and 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 wizard seems to be like i think wizard carries himself at the beginning of that song like you know i did make all the right moves so there's still a good chance of me getting out of here you know you know at least death means i'll never be scared of dying again like that very much the very nonchalant attitude towards it but by the end he's crying out and he's like Desperate, like like at least the way Andrew Rannells portrays it in his in his face and then the way he says it in this like desperate crying out like and he's scared, and yeah, and I think like especially because to see Wizard as a character like that, especially because he's portrayed himself as very suave and carried himself very well beyond that up until that point at least like he had his moments, but up until that point we had never seen him quite like that like completely on the other end of the spectrum was heartbreaking to watch and i think you know chess being a theme intentional or not like carrying into that song for me at least like really just goes to show like how much they carry forward themes sh- from beginning to end and like how they all connect and how it all goes forward
1: um and touching on that you know with marvin at the very end too after like what would i do In you know we got the scene and Also, before I say this, uh, the lighting in this show really Mm -hmm. brought everything to, like, home base for me. Like, the way that they focused on other people, like, you could see some of the characters still in the background. And they would, you know, repeat the same lines because they were also experiencing the same thing happening to them. (laughs) Um, But the, the lighting was just incredible. And one thing that really brought the tears to my eyes on the topic of marvin's character and how much he has changed as this progresses and the two hours that we got to watch it is that we finally get to see him um surrounded by his family and friends and then he finally loses composure and breaks down in their arms and that is how it ends Mm -hmm. um which is completely different from how we're introduced to him and it's almost it almost made me relax in a way (laughs) Um, seeing him be so vulnerable. I mean, you know, he's an actor, but, like, not... I mean, not the actor itself, but just, like, the character. To see him vulnerable after all of this, experiencing all of this, um, and from how I first, you know, met him, I was like, oh, this guy, he stinks! But then... <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother, this, brother, guy, this stinks. guy stinks!
0: Brother,
1: this guy stinks! And... Uh, You know, we finally see him just collapse into their arms. And, you know, Trina's there. Jason's there. Mendel's there. Charlotte, Cordelia. And I think, honestly, I wish there was a little bit of an epilogue in a way to... I mean, we get to see a little bit of, you know, Trina surrendering her emotions towards this situation. But I wish we got to see a little bit more because she's just holding him. Mm -hmm. And caring for him as, you know... This one very masculine at one-to-one part, like, you know, masculine men just collapsing after the death of his lover, like, absolutely broke me.
0: <laughs> now,
1: absolutely.
0: I mean, it's also, they do this a lot with Marvin where he tends to be painted alone. They did this at the beginning where, you know, he very much shuts himself off at the beginning and is like, this is my role. I have to be on top. I have to be the one in charge in front. And in the in the song, I think it's late for dinner at the end of it, where they're all they're all surrounding him and they say, this is better come to an end. All the light stops and fades on him on the ground like he's on the ground and the spotlight is on him. He's on the ground. All light is on him at that moment. And they tend to do that a lot where they'll they'll cut lights. And a lot of the time it's just Marvin in the frame, uh, obviously, depending on like the given situation. But and I I think this tends to happen a lot where it portrays him, I guess, again, like giving him that lone wolf. I do things this way and I'm I'm alone because of the way I present myself mentality. But it also like makes him look very lonely, like and that happens and that happens a lot. And they bring it back again, only not as harsh where they remove all the hospital equipment. They remove the lighting and all the hospital, the props and everyone in the background. And it's just him standing there alone not even facing the audience he's not facing us he's facing away from us um and he's alone and he's left alone because even when he has that family like he's alone in that moment and i'm i'm you know like and i'm glad that they kind of portrayed it that way because you can have a very good support system behind you and still feel very alone by yourself depending wow. on the given situation and true. marvin just lost his partner and to him he's alone like and he does, and, you know and the family does not come back into the picture until they're portraying uh you know wizard's funeral where they all come together but in that <laughs> moment in the hospital he is alone and the way that the like i like the fact that they chose to have him facing away from the audience like it's not even that big of a thing like i feel like i feel like maybe someone who's like better at theater whoever knows their stuff they'll say yeah whatever like who cares but that for me just did a lot for me Him facing away from us, not facing us, you know, in a way not being able to face us, not being able to face what just happened.
1: (laughs) Oh, I I totally agree with that. It, (laughs) It also, when I watched it, thought it was very interesting because the whole thing about theater is like... I mean, when I was in theater, I got scolded so many times because I wasn't turning my body face enough towards the audience for them to see. You have Mm -hmm. to express yourself on stage. You have to be center stage. I got
0: that a lot, too. Stage
1: left. Yes. And I was like, (laughs) man, you know what? I am doing my best here. I'm only here because I want to be an actress in a movie someday. I don't care (laughs) about theater right now. But... I found it very interesting too, um, because you know they they did shoot this in kind of a stylized movie way, but I mean I'm assuming for afterwards. But we, him facing not facing the audience makes it like the moment almost real, like it's private, mm-hmm. and it's almost like we have to as the audience turn away, um, because he is away. Um, and I I was crying, and <laughs> I mean I had my eyes closed a little bit, um, but. Yeah, that was a very real moment, him being there, standing face away from the audience.
0: Now that, and and also... So a big thing that really caught me off guard the first time I watched is whoever did the makeup for when Wizard was sick, they did it very well because when Mm -hmm. he comes back on stage, he looks ill. He, like, does not look in good condition at all. Like, Like, and maybe that's easy to do. It probably is, but still. So I remember uh when the what would i do scene came on and wizard started speaking first of all the minute i saw him in a white shirt i was like he's dead uh because of the yeah. symbolism of that but it's the fact that like he looked so much better and like healthy and like seeing him like that again made me happy but also like put me in tears because it's yeah. like marvin apollo like not apologizing but like singing this love this love letter and like this goodbye to him and I imagine, though it may not necessarily be staged this way, and it's just there to look like that, I imagine him. You know, this is how he chooses to remember Wizard—not at his worst, but at his best—and how he knew him. Yeah. Um, which breaks my heart like that because you know that just hurts. That just at like for me. That, and then again, that's mm-hmm. me doing it to myself because <laughs> nothing about that says <laughs> it there, but it's it's very much that like when they show wizard back and he's pristine he's clean he's how we how we met him in the first he's practically the same except the shirt is white yeah uh just really hurts because again it's it's that it's me imagining like that's how marvin is in choosing... His eyes. in like in his eyes and how he'll always see him regardless of the the you know trouble and and then the heartbreak they went through together in that in that hospital room cuz that's that's the other thing too there's real no time frame for how long wizard was sick or in there we you know we just get the scenes
1: uh yeah uh, i mean we have the song the first like something bad is happening where at first we can i mean like hint at the fact that this is you know the epidemic is starting to happen cases are starting to pop up people are starting to get confused and then they have they bring it back again with charlotte um in the reprise of it and then after that is a wizard song you gotta die sometime so i don't know the time frame but i agree um, him being pristine in like, you know, like we had saw from the beginning is very beautiful in a way um, and also made me uh, tear up, too. Um, I wasn't expecting, honestly, because uh, like you said, I, I wasn't sure like how much longer we had left of it. I wasn't expecting him to, you know, pass away after the uh, bar mitzvah. Um, I thought he was just being pulled away because, you know, he was sick and he needed to rest or something. But then he came out and I was like, oh, there it is. There is the tears, there is the gasping, um, I cannot breathe.
0: No, because I (laughs) I had the same thing happen, where it was very much like, he didn't die, did he? And then I saw him in the white shirt, and I was like, man, fuck this musical. (laughs) I was like, bro,
1: no, my homie.
0: And, like, I also remember, um, It was very much. I had the same thing where when they pulled out that, like, so when they put the cube back together, thus symbolizing the end of the story, um, Mm -hmm. and they pulled out that last square block. I was like, y'all better not turn that shit and place it as a tombstone. And then they did. And I was like, man. And then I started crying. And then Jason put the chess piece. And I, and I was like, man, I can't stand this shit. I
1: can't do it. I can't. Yeah, no. It was, like I said, it was very elegant. It was very well done. And it was absolutely breathtaking. No, tr- um,
0: truly. I, like, to, to wrap up the bulk of the thoughts on the musical, I think the musical... For the time it came out was probably more than necessary for those who it was meant for and mm-hmm. continues to spread this message in its revival and into new people discovering it and hopefully gives people that little bit of insight into what was a horrific event um in time and you know hopefully also gives people in, in its themes that it portrays with masculinity and other things, some security in their own, um, in however they choose to present and how they are as a person, because masculinity knows no bounds and is not fucking confined by the stupid shit that they tell you. Um, Agree. And, and, and this musical, and for any of you who haven't watched it, even if you chose not to watch it and listen to us spoil it all for you, I highly recommend you go watch it yourself because us explaining it and, and semi-crying through it uh, will not be enough to do this musical justice in any way, shape, or form. It is phenomenal. It is truly, especially upon a first watch, breathtaking. And with everyone involved who made it happen, and, and they're so talented, it truly is a musical that should be remembered in the best way possible and has and truly just continues to do so much good with its ex- existence and and you know, we only probably been speaking for about an hour and almost fifteen minutes and barely scratched the surface of how well done and how beautiful, truly this musical is.
1: Yes, yeah, there's a lot more to say about it, um, but in the time being, I, I, I have to thank you for showing this to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably going to do a lot of research on it, too, and probably quite some more.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's But I think we're going to wrap it up here. Um, thank you for those of you who are listening, and we hope that you enjoy the next episode, whatever that will be, because we actually don't even know what the next yeah. thing we'll be, we'll be doing is
1: not sure yet (laughs) uh but yes thank you guys i appreciate it
0: i hope you all have a good rest of your day evening or night